Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fair warning to our listeners, because anytime I reminisce about Badlands National Park, I tend to get super emotional. That's so true. I mean, it's really your happy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or a weepy place, really. It definitely holds a special place in my heart. I truly love how much you love it, and I actually love the Badlands as well. I mean, it's definitely that special place. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. When I first came here in 2016, it was part of this week-long work trip through western South Dakota. I went to a bunch of different places, not just Badlands. But in general, and in general, I was totally smitten with that state, by the way. It like, blew my expectations out of the water, and I loved every part of it. But the Badlands in particular were next level. I loved them. Yeah, this was the first one that you, um, first national park that you went to as an adult. Yeah, that's right. As a kid, I think I went to, like, Grand Canyon, Zion, maybe Bryce, maybe. Um, It was part of this, like, long family road trip in an RV, fittingly enough. A little bit of foreshadowing, perhaps. But I went years and years without going to any national parks or really appreciating them at all. So when I did go to Badlands, I just remember this, like, abrupt, sweeping sense of awe and admiration. It's a really amazing and powerful park. Yeah, it it really, really is. And when we first arrived at Badlands back in 2016, and when I say we, I mean me and the people on this trip, (laughs) we drove into what's called the Pinnacles Overlook for Sunset, and I was instantly hooked. Everything was, like, absurdly picturesque. And I wasn't just hooked on Badlands, but I felt hooked on national parks in general kind of right away. And this place was basically the first domino to fall that would go on to create this intense passion for me. And ultimately, in a way, kind of paved the way for Parklandia. So naturally, we're excited to talk about Badlands National Park. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. We packed up our loft in Chicago, moved into an RV with our dog Finn, and now we're traveling the country full-time visiting America's national parks. Thanks for listening. History. So, as with South Dakota in general, the Badlands are totally unassuming and utterly mind-blowing. 
I just couldn't believe it. I remember when I first went to South Dakota, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would all be kind of flat, prairie, um, kind of just Midwestern, you know, like what I'm used to seeing in like suburban rural Illinois. But I honestly would have zero idea that something like this would exist here. It's something as otherworldly as the Badlands. Because the, the way that I describe this place to people, the Badlands feels to me kind of like part Grand Canyon, part Mars. Yeah, it totally looks like another planet. I mean, with all these like craggy buttes and spires and pinnacles, the coolest thing is how they all seem to like emerge abruptly from this grassy prairies, like driving along an RV along the road. And all of a sudden we're surrounded by those like alien looking formations. And you know what these formations kind of always reminded me of? They look like, did you make these like sandy, drippy mud castles at the beach ever? Did you do that? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. They kind of look like that, but like gigantic and much more firm. So I I think there's this like sense of whimsy to them. They kind of look Dr. Seussian too. Ooh, Dr. Seussian. I like how you said that. And that's... (laughs) It's a really fun place to describe because it's kind of otherworldly, cartoonish all at once. It's that kind of place. Geology. Yeah, I think it's fitting to talk about the history and the geology of the Badlands, just how like the lay of the land happens with the formations for this incredible park. Absolutely. I feel like I could happily teach a whole semester on this park, honestly, especially with how much I've raved about it to everyone I come in contact with ever since. But I can try and whittle it down here to just an episode. And that's going to be a struggle for me just to con- contain myself because I could just like ramble on and on and on with pure enthusiasm. Right. I know. And like, especially when you go back to like the first recorded human interactions here, they go about back like 11,000 years ago. I mean, that's when the Native Americans tried to hunt here. Um, century later, the like Lakota tribes named this area Makosiko, which means land bad because of how harsh the environment was. But being able to track it back that far is a right. beautiful thing. Right, right. It's, yeah, very cool. And, I mean, if I was living someplace notorious for extreme weather and barren terrain and lack of water, I'm sure I would also give it a bad name, too, even though they're so beautiful. Yeah, and they're fascinating. I mean, the Badlands are actually made by layers of sediment and clay, which slowly compacted together over millions of years. Right, right. And through various evolving environments, the sediment deposits took on different shapes and sizes. And like when this part of South Dakota was once a tropical sea, if hard to imagine, but it's true. Or at another point in, in time, this was a dense forest. So this has been a steadily evolving, slowly changing terrain for much longer than we've been around exploring national parks, that's for sure. So there were even some volcanic eruptions to the west that added some ash to the mix. So you have all these varying components over time that have contributed to what the Badlands have become today. Yeah, I mean, it's really neat because you have those different layers of sediment in the Badlands, and they're all slightly different colors, and they're surprisingly even. Right. Yeah, they are really even, the striations, like a giant jagged layer cake, kind of. Or I, And I guess in that case, the prairie grass would be like the frosting. I don't like metaphors that make me hungry. It's so distracting. I know. I'm sorry. I have a huge sweet tooth, so I inevitably compare pretty much everything to various desserts, even even when it doesn't fit. And in case you were uh, were wondering, the Badlands got so jagged and sharp, they actually happened somewhat recently. Right. And by recent, we mean 500,000 years ago, when rivers and streams flowed through from the Black Hills and began carving these formations. 
the sediment that makes up the Badlands is really malleable and soft in comparison to most other rock. So it's still changing shape today. And in another 500,000 years from now, this might all look totally different or non-existent. And I'm personally very glad I'm not going to live to be 500,000 years old because I do not want to live at a time when the Badlands don't exist. But you'll have to stay tuned for our millionth season to find out. Right, yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Native Americans were not the first inhabitants here either, though. Back when this was all changing and taking shape, there were prehistoric animals and dinosaurs, like these like little three-toed horse creature things, and even like ancient alligators. Mm, yeah. Why are alligators everywhere? I feel like they follow us around. We saw this giant alligator fossils at Petrified Forest. Remember that? Like yeah. gigantic, like RV-sized alligators. And then actual present-day alligators at Everglades. They're just everywhere. I mean, they were even in Chicago. I mean... <laughs> Like, come on. It's crazy to imagine oh, yeah. al- alligators living in this space, though, much like Chicago. But um, especially since it's mostly like bison and prairie dogs and bighorn sheep now. Right, right. Fortunately, we didn't see any living alligators here. Yeah. But another animal that we didn't see but could have seen is the black-footed ferret, which was actually once thought to be extinct and is currently one of the most endangered animals in the world. So that's an amazing little success story and comeback story. And obviously much less scary than alligators, thankfully. So after Mother Nature was done sculpting this masterpiece, the U.S. government got wise to the fact that this special place deserves protection. Mm. It was the first designated as a national monument in 1939, and then it was upgraded to a national park in 1978. Yep, well-deserved. It's got almost 250,000 acres of land, including some of the largest mixed grass prairie remaining in America. The cool thing is that the National Park Service actually co-manages the south unit portion of the park with the Oglala Lakota tribe, as they should. These native peoples know these lands better than anybody. Yeah, what I love is that, like, in the midst of all this, as farmers were migrating to South Dakota from Europe, the state's Department of Agriculture was publishing ads calling the Battlelands the Wonderlands. Love it. Yeah, that's definitely a fun little spin. And much less ominous name than Badlands, of course, especially if we're trying to attract farmers to your region. Yeah. Although it definitely sounds more like a quirky board game than an arid wasteland. Yeah. Unfortunately for us and for the visitors and lovers of national parks, homesteading in the area never really took off. So, because the climate was really just too harsh. Yeah. You can't, no matter what cute name you come up for it, it's not going to change the the climate. That's for sure. (laughs) But again, that's, that's great because it keeps this place preserved and pristine. And even though it might not be alluring for farmers, it's definitely a mecca for fans of wildlife in fossils and geology, like us. And hiking. Oh, of course, like especially hiking. You are listening to the Parklandia podcast from iHeartRadio, hosted by Brad and Matt Kerouac. We'll be back with more of the Parklandia podcast from iHeartRadio. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trails. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia, and we're talking about the Badlands. Even this place, Badlands, doesn't have a ton of hiking trails and not many trails that are really long either. So not as kind of never-ending as some of the larger, more massive national parks. It's just it's mostly just these expansive, immersive overlooks and a handful of intensive trails along the way. And they're all incredible and just have the best the best views and experiences here. Yeah, I remember you mentioned a little bit earlier about the Pinnacles Overlook and... It's amazing because that's the first thing you saw for sunset. And I just think it's fitting in full circle that that was also the first place that we stopped when we visited Banlands together with our friend Kendall from Chicago. Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Pinnacles is the first overlook area you see when you're driving into the park from Wall Drug heading south off I-90. And we'll talk more about Wall Drug later, though, right? Oh, yes, we will. There's, there's no glossing over that place. That deserves its own segment for sure. Yeah, so we like we were driving our RV into the park, and we pull over at Pinnacles, and right away it strikes you with this sprawling sea of buttes and canyons and prairies and Pinnacles, oh my. Yeah, see, I I feel like, for me, like I had been telling you about this for like three years. I'm like, you have to see it to believe it. And I it. didn't get it. I didn't get yeah. it until I finally went. Yeah, I know. It really just like sucker punches you with these views and takes your breath away. And I love how inviting these overlooks are, too. They're not just 
these simple railings and pullovers on the side of the road. Badlands is the kind of park that really invites adventure and exploration. And these overlooks have these little kind of trails that take you up close to the edge for more dramatic angles and views. Yeah, but you got to be careful, especially after a recent rain when the ground is slippery. There aren't so many railings, so it could be easy to fall down. I mean, this is one of those like rare parks where visitors are actually able to hike pretty much anywhere off trail. Yeah, which is kind of bizarre and wonderful. I guess they're really just pretty trusting that people aren't just going to stumble to their death here. Or step on a rattlesnake. Right, yeah, yeah. We saw plenty of rattlesnake warning signs all over the place here. That was a little unnerving. Thankfully, we didn't see any. (laughs) I actually walked on top of one of those narrow buttes and sat down for a bit just to, like, drink it all in. It was so amazing, but I had to be very careful because it's a little crumbly. Right, right, and these, like, narrow precipices. And I actually got some really artistic photos of you, too, so it was well worth the risk. Are you hiding those from me? I don't think you've uh, given those to me. I don't think I have. Yeah, that's rude. I might save it for an Instagram post later. (laughs) Oh, there we go. That makes more sense. But, you know, when we drove farther into the park to the Cedar Pass uh, Lodge and the Ben uh, Rifle Visitor Center, I mean, we just got to see so much. That drive was amazing in and of itself. Even if you're not pulling over constantly at every overlook, you're seeing so much and driving in between all these buttes and spires and, and more of these pinnacles. Absolutely love it. And so once we got to the Cedar Pass Lodge, we got lunch here to fuel up before a little bit of hiking. Just your essentials like Indian tacos and salads with huckleberry dressing, which, by the way, I could totally drink that dressing, like Gatorade. It's that's, so good. That's not gross. That's not gross at all. You know? I would but, happily drink. <laughs> I like practically licked it up off the plate. It was so good. Now, wait a second. Now, for our listeners, we need to know what Indian tacos are. Uh, let me tell you. They're tacos where, I mean... Tacos is kind of a stretch. They're Indi- it's Indian fry bread instead of tortillas. So basically the savory fried dough. So uh, it's delicious, obviously. It almost looks like an elephant ear if you've ever been to like a state fair. Right. So very difficult to eat as in a traditional taco form. It's hard to like kind of wrap it up in your hand. Like it's mostly a knife and fork style taco. And it's layered with, it, it varies, but I think the traditional thing is like ground beef of some sort. And then like, Shredded lettuce, tomatoes, maybe sour cream. Taco seasoning. Feeling feeling like it. Maybe some black beans. Yeah, and they're so good. And considering the Native American history here and the presence of the Lakota tribe, like Indian tacos are prevalent and have been a staple food item for, for a while. And that's the case in a lot of this part of the country, like the Dakotas, Wyoming, Montana. And they're so good. I mean... All the way down to New Mexico, really. Hard to... Yeah, hard to avoid them. Or hard to say no to them. They're delicious. Museum. Yeah, the visitor center was really great, too. I mean, it was so informative. It had this, like, nice museum with tons of fossil information and insight into the animals and the dinosaurs that once lived here. Right. I mean. They did a really good job with that. And you got to see how intimidating these animals were. (laughs) And there were, like, some surprisingly graphic displays they had in this museum showing some carnivorous giant pig-like animal biting some sort of herbivore that was, like, stuck in the mud. It was it was a lot. I'm much too delicate to be seeing such things. But I appreciate the education. And now I'm like, wow, good to know. 
Yeah, no, that, I always love going into visitor centers and the little museums they have because you get to see all the grotesque stuff. You do, and they don't hold back, apparently. No, they definitely don't. But um, just down the road from there, we went on the Notch Trailhead, um, another area that you visited on your own a few years ago, right? Yeah, I was basically retracing my exact steps and recreating that trip with you. This is like what this is all about, pure nostalgia. Oh, you're so sweet. Sentimental time in the Badlands. And... But it also, like, I wanted to do it because the trail is genuinely really fun, too, and super unique. So it's like, I would happily do that again and again and again. And this whole area is very hands-on and adventurous. A lot of climbing, a lot of scampering. Yeah, I mean, at first we walked to the end, a little boardwalk, to the little window trailhead. It was really nice, short and easy. I mean, literally like 10 steps, it felt I like. I know, so quick. That's I can't even believe they call that a trail. It's just, like, a few steps in your car, and then you're at, like, this... They call it a window because it's like this frame-shaped um, structure, or not structure, like this pinnacle, this rocky pinnacle that kind of looks like part of a window frame. Yeah, the really steep and sharp pinnacles. I mean, it, it's worth it. Like, don't get me wrong here, but yeah, it's not a trail. <laughs> not, not so much a trail. But it was really cool to go out to this area and be able to climb up into the Badlands here and get some amazing views and amazing photos. It just like kind of speaks to how hands-on and inviting the Badlands are. And how that kind of helps remove some of the intimidation, too, if anyone's a little, I don't know, on edge or whatever. But Yeah, absolutely. You can, there was plenty of people. There was little kids just, like, scurrying up these rocky walls and all over the place. It was, it was great. And then we helped ourselves. We climbed up there, too. And Oh, yeah. It was really, really fun. And then for, from here, we continued on to the Notch Trail, which is also pretty short and mostly easy aside from the fact that it was scorching hot that day and blazingly sunny. Jeez. Yeah, you definitely need, like, sunglasses mm-hmm. and sun uh, sunscreen. I mean, those are essentials. I mean, it gets yeah. so bright here, and it just reflects off the ground, almost like snow. Like, <laughs> no, it has that snow effect where the sun is hitting you directly and then also kind of reflecting off this light, uh, like, rock, and it's, like, hitting you doubly. So you definitely need sunglasses because it's blindingly bright, and also just, like, all the sunscreen, like SPF 50. Yeah, right? Yeah. So the best part of the Notch Trail, or I think the most interesting part of the Notch Trail, is this wooden ladder that you climb up kind of halfway through. It takes you up to the top of a butte, and it grazes you to that level, which is going to wind you out to the very end of the trail. We actually, though, decided to go around the ladder and find our own way this time, since there was a traffic jam from scared climbers. Yeah, there was like this little kid coming down and he was like crying yeah. as he took each step down. And it was like... And it took like five minutes between each step. Yeah, it, we would have waited there for an hour. So I'm just, we all just said, okay, let's go off trail and mm-hmm. climb up. And it was fun. I'm actually kind of glad that happened. Um, yeah. Because we got to, I love climbing. Make our own and path. So, yeah, that kid reminded me of, do you remember in um, the first Jurassic Park movie when the little kid, Timmy, is like on the electric fence, but it's not electric yet, and they're climbing over it, and then he gets like paralyzed with fear, and he's just like stuck there, and then they're <laughs> yes. like, Tim, jump, Yep. but he refuses to. That's kind of like what this kid was like. He was so scared. Fortunately, he didn't get like electrocuted at any point, but... Yeah, it's like a remake, thing. you know? Like, right. Right. <laughs> same idea. Yeah, so we went around that. And then once you're, like, up there on this, uh, like, upper butte area, you're walking out to get to this overlook by the southern end of the park. 
Yeah, the view there was like quite different. I mean, a lot of like tall green trees and then yeah. a flat prairie. Right, because you're kind of on the edge of the Badlands here. So instead of being surrounded by more pinnacles and spires, you have this like panoramic view of these green trees and, and the like mostly flat prairie, which is so stunning and, and really cool to see that from that perspective. Yeah, but we were all like sweating way too much. I mean, we had to hurry back to the RV to get out of the sun. It was very, very hot. I think we stayed out there for like two minutes. Then we're like, okay, turn around, go yeah. back. Normally we try to like stay at the end for a while and just eat it. But we're just like, nope, screw it. We're mm-hmm. going back. Yeah. This is done. Seriously, no lingering. Food. So another important thing to talk about with Badlands is wall drug, like we mentioned earlier. Another place I visited in 2016 as part of that work trip, and another place that I absolutely needed to return to. Yeah, this is like one of those like weirdest, like funnest places I've ever been. Like there are these vintage like billboards all along the highway for miles and miles leading up to it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And Waldrug really lives up to the hype, I gotta say. It's this kitschy wonderland for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a town, mostly a large roadside attraction. I mean, uh the whole street is lined up with, like, old-timey cafes, saloons, shops, museums, and other attractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. This is the one place where you can drink a beer, visit a chapel, sit on a giant jackalope, and watch an animatronic T-Rex all in the same place. So you pretty much get the gist. I think that summarizes what you're, the type of place you're visiting here. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, this small store that just had a lot of signs everywhere, but it, it's gigantic. Oh, right. And there's so much history there, too. There is a lot of history. It was established in 1931 as initially the super simple roadside stop outside the Badlands, kind of capitalizing on the park's popularity and visitorship. And Wall Drug was advertising things like free ice water, shopping, dining for visitors. Things caught on, and now Wall Drug gets about 1 million annual visitors, which is basically the same as Badlands. And that makes sense because apparently nearly everybody who visits Badlands goes to Wall Drug like we did. Yeah. As the name suggests, it started as a drugstore owned by Ted and Dorothy Husted. Times were tough at first, just like any business getting up, but they struggled to, like, attract customers. But they started advertising that free water signs on the road, and it worked like magic. And I can see why. I mean, remember when we were, like, hiking and it was, like, hot as the sun and beating down? And, like, I would happily go to a place that's advertising free ice water. It's like, just genius. Like, they, they, they were so... Smart right. to do a simple sign like that to draw those customers and it, in. And it absolutely worked. And then over the years, they added more and more roadside signs throughout the state and beyond, really. We we saw these signs like in Wyoming, I think. And I saw them in North Dakota, too. So they're yeah. pretty widespread. And atten- attention to wall draw continued to grow. And the Husteds eventually added more amenities and services like Native American goods, cowboy boots, coffee, full-service dining, and donuts. Yeah, they're especially known for those donuts. As they should be. They're so good. Delicious, fresh, cake-style donuts. I think my favorite is the maple frosted one. Is that because I work for Burton's Maplewood Farm? It, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always seek out maple flavored things to eat because it makes me feel supportive of you. Thank you. I really <laughs> yeah. do appreciate that, you know. Um, but You're welcome. Enough about maple syrup and donuts and wall drugs, because we've reached that part of the episode where we get to share our favorite parts about Badlands National Park. 
Yes, indeed. I'm I'm sure I'm going to have an emotional time here, but um, there's plenty to talk about. A lot of contenders with our favorite things. So, Brad, what was your favorite part of the Badlands? I'll tell you right after this short break. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances, and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My favorite. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today's episode is about Badlands National Park in South Dakota. We're currently wrapping things up, sharing with each other our favorite parts of the Badlands. And I'm excited to tell you, my favorite part was Kendall coming along and being on this journey with us as my first time going. Um, And that's not just because he actually drove for five hours on the way back, which was the first five hours I've ever been in the back of a car, uh-huh. the RV, I mean. What a nice change and, of pace for you. Yeah, it's been, it, that was like phenomenal. So that was definitely my f- favorite part was just having Kendall along more than just driving, like having these experiences. And um, even though it, we were exhausted from doing all the rodeos before that, 
um, I was really excited to to have Kendall along and mm-hmm. to share this as we traveled yeah. all together. Lovely. Are you going to ask me what my favorite part was? I was thinking about it. Okay. Um, what was your favorite part? I think my favorite part I, is seeing sunset and, and sunrise at Badlands when I was here in 2016. It's the most incredible place to see both of those. They're just unbelievably beautiful. And I think probably sunrise was my favorite. I remember waking up super early, like ridiculously early, and it was still cold and really dark. And we went out to this, like, just parking area. I didn't even know where we were. It was so dark. (laughs) And then... I was very underdressed. I was wearing like shorts or something. And everybody in the group kept asking me like, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? And I'm like, mm, I don't know, honestly. They're like, I got to get to wall drug and get myself a sweater. <laughs> yeah, right. And we waited out there for the sun to kind of inch its way up. And as it did, it just cast this like orange pink glow over these jagged, craggy spires that look like some sort of sandy mud castle at the beach. And... It was the most incredible experience ever. And then, thankfully, things also warmed up because I was freezing. And I got to explore and kind of wander out into this, like, craggy terrain as sunlight draped over it. And it really was a special experience and something that stuck with me and probably made me fall mostly in love with Badlands. I mean, that that, makes absolute mm, sense. I mean, I would love to see those views. I know, yeah, but I also like to sleep in, so it's hard to hard to balance that out, I guess. Yeah, yeah right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, the one thing, like, I don't think there's a lot of things I would bring to Badlands National Park. I mean, I would just bring some water, my camera <laughs> Lots phone. Lots of water, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, friends. I mean, it, it's really as simple as that. Badlands, to me, was just about being there and experiencing it. Um, there's, there's just not a lot I would bring. I would bring definitely some serious sunglasses or like a whole helmet or something because the sun is so intense there. If you're, especially if you're visiting during the summer months or anytime where it's like sunny at all. And I would also, well, touching back to the sunrise thing, I would bring layers because it's not fun to be underprepared. It's better to be overprepared, especially when it comes to attire. And I felt like an idiot being out there before sunrise wearing shorts and a t-shirt while everyone else is literally wearing coats. So I'm like, hmm, I didn't do this right. So I would do that. And then also, I would bring an appetite to go to Wall Drug and eat all the donuts and then drink all the ice water and all the coffee. The coffee, by the way, is five cents. They advertise that, too. That's been a big thing. Five, five cent, cent coffee. coffee. Yeah. I'm used to spending like $4 at Starbucks. So Eek. What a nice, what a nice deal. I, I don't know if it's a deal, but... Well, it feels <laughs> no, like a deal. I feel like I'm getting a, a treat. Mm, no, absolutely. And you know what? What What do you think our dream vacation would be? Like, I'll mm. let you start this off and we'll build on to it. Oh, uh, my dream vacation, I think, I would love to, like, stay at one of the places at Waldrog. They have a couple little inns and hotels, and it's just so convenient and close to the park that it's very easy and doable. And... Just stay there and be able to, like, visit some of the saloons. I know we didn't do that this time, but they have some saloons there. And they feel so vintage and old-timey and, like, kind of silly, but really fun. And I think that would be great to do. And then just do more 
I want to do like the rest of the trails, maybe some like backcountry stuff, because it is one of those parks where people are invited and free reign to like wander around as they please, kind of, as long as you're careful and smart, obviously. Yeah, but, of course. No, as we will be. I think that's a really good point, too, is like I would do hikes early in the morning or late at night. Good idea. During the middle of the day is a bit intense. And the, like we wound up kind of speed walking just to get out of the heat. Um, so it's it's good to strategize a little bit and time it out. I would actually call this the full circle park for us. Yeah, I would say for in a lot of ways, not only because it was like my first one as an adult and triggered this obsession, but also a fun thing to mention is that we actually formally kind of announced the Parklandia podcast while we're in the Badlands together. Yep. So not only was this the place that inspired me to get into national parks, but it's the park where Parklandia came to life in a sense. Yeah, and it's just, it's so beautiful. And it was our first uh, park that we had a friend along on the journey to go through it. So there's just been a lot of firsts here. And uh, the Badlands, while it was a short trip for us this time, I'm excited to go back and live out that dream vacation of staying in the the town there and enjoying the saloons mm-hmm. and the, the old-timey, beautiful nature of it all. I love it so much. I told you I would get emotional. You've been listening to the Parklandia Podcast, a show about national parks by iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Hasiotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Executive produced by Christopher Hasiotis. Special thanks to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media. Check out photos from our travels on Instagram at ParklandiaPod. And join in the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. Thank you so much for listening. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.